If you'll stand with us tonight, the book of John chapter number 8, gospel of John chapter number 8, and uh, I would have preached this message this morning, but I thought uh, all day long I would have preached something else tonight out of the life of David, but the Lord just, uh, for whatever reason, has kept this passage of scripture on my heart. Yesterday, we was some of you was with us uh, there at the meeting at Brother Dorsey's and Brother Mark Stroud preached out of this same text. And when he read his text, the Lord just put a little thought on my heart and uh, he preached a great message uh, yesterday and really got a lot of help out of that message. But God just uh, had this thought on my heart all yesterday and today. And so by the Lord's help, I want to preach uh, from John chapter number 8 tonight. If you'll turn with us here, the gospel of John chapter number 8, and we'll look in verse number 1. The Bible says, Jesus went, went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they, when her, when they, they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one beginning at the eldest even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Then you can be seated. Our precious Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence once again tonight, Lord, as we come to the throne of grace and mercy, Lord, we come in Jesus' name. God, we pray tonight that you would give us wisdom and leadership and direction in preaching your word. I pray the Holy Spirit of God would speak to every heart in this building. I pray, Lord, that you would move tonight. God, you know the need of this hour. You know if there's someone here that needs to be saved. Maybe there's somebody here tonight lost and undone. Or there may be someone here tonight that has drifted far from Calvary. And Lord, they need to uh, get they need to get the fires of revival rekindled in their heart again. I pray, Spirit of God, that you'd have your will, have your way, give us liberty, and Lord, help us to be pleasing in thy sight. And we'll thank you for all that you do, for we ask it in Jesus' name. We do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to draw your attention here to verse number eight. And I want you to notice here, verse number, uh, verse number uh, seven here in just a minute. But I want you to notice here in this text that uh, Jesus has come and this woman has been brought before, her, before him. And there's several things just on the outset of this message that we want to mention. First of all, I want you to notice this terrain. As the Bible said in verse number one, that Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. Notice the terrain uh, in which Jesus is at. He's at the Mount of Olives. See, a place that our Lord loved to go to and he loved to be there. In fact this is one of the last places that Christ visited uh, before he went to Calvary. And we see the terrain of this text and then we see the timing of this text as the Bible says that and early in the morning so it's morning time uh, Jesus is at the Mount of Olives and then the Bible tells us here that he's at the temple and he's teaching in verse number 2 in that temple now or at that, at that temple place. And so our Lord is at the Mount of Olives teaching uh, the word of God 
God. But notice in verse number three that the Bible talks about some troublemakers that shows up. As the word of God said, and the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman that was taken in adultery. Now I want to tell you tonight, the biggest problem, or the biggest uh, troublemaker, should I say, that Jesus is facing in this text is not the woman that is called in adultery. She is not the one that is the biggest troublemaker. But there's a lot of troublemakers in this text, and the Bible calls them scribes and Pharisees. And the reason that they're troublemakers is because that they have come here for one reason, and that is to entrap Jesus. They uh, want to try to trick him. They want to try to catch him uh, in a lie. But I want to tell you something. He's the very embodiment of truth itself. Amen? And you're not going to catch truth in a lie. Amen? I'm telling you, listen, the word of God says, uh, as Jesus was praying in John chapter 17, he said, sanctify them through thy truth. Uh, He said, thy word is truth. Amen? And the word of God is truth tonight. And Jesus is the very word of God. And so these uh, Pharisees and scribes have come and they've come to uh, catch our Lord in a lie. But we know the story and the outcome that Jesus is going to overtake them. But they use this woman here as an instrument to try to destroy our Lord or rather to try to get back to him. And can I stop and say this tonight? People who cause trouble will use anybody to get their agenda across. Amen? And I'm not preaching on that tonight. It's just fitting in this text. And what you and I need to do as Christians tonight, we need to be very careful, even in a church, that we don't let other people use us as their tool, amen, for their own agenda, amen. And I I don't think that, I've not heard anything of that in this church and I hope that doesn't ever happen in this church but can I tell you something? Listen, there's been a lot of people that have been used uh, as a tactic or a tool to cause trouble in a church only to find out the crowd they thought was their friends really isn't their friends, amen? You see, the scribes and the Pharisees seemed to be very religious uh, but yet Jesus called them vipers, amen? And so religion has always been the enemy of God. Amen. And here in this text, I I see Jesus as they come and they bring this woman. But I want you to notice something in verse number six and then again in verse number eight, two times the Bible says here that Jesus stooped down. The word of God says in verse number six and then again in verse number eight and again he stooped down. And the word of God says that when he stooped down, he began to write upon the ground. He took his finger and wrote upon the ground. Now, I don't know what Jesus wrote when he wrote on the ground, but I do know what he did. He forgave this woman. Amen. He showed mercy and he showed grace. I also know not only what he did, but I know what he said. Amen. I may not have known what he wrote, but I know what he did and I know what he said and what he said to her was neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. Now I think about this woman tonight. As she leaves here, I was thinking about this text yesterday And the Lord just hung this thought on my heart when he reached down his hand for me. Because that's what he did. In essence, this woman is caught in the very act of adultery. Her accusers are standing around and she is before the judge of eternity. She is guilty as charged. We know that like every other sinner, should I say tonight. 
And Jesus, instead of condemning her, instead of, uh, uh, listen, uh, uh, causing her, uh, bringing death, a death sentence upon her, Jesus reaches down his hand for her and he writes something on the ground. Now, many have speculated as to what he wrote and I don't think there's nothing wrong in speculating that, but the truth of the matter is we have no idea what Jesus wrote on that ground. But whatever he did write on the ground, I can rest assured about this. It caused every one of her accusers to turn and to go in another direction. As Jesus looked at them and said, he that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. I want to tell you, I'm glad that Jesus knows how to handle the accusers. Amen. I'm telling you, this woman had a lot of accusers, but as she is there before Jesus Christ, here is what she finds. She does not find condemnation. She finds justification. Amen. She doesn't find my friend, guilt, uh, uh, guilt, but she finds favor and she finds forgiveness. Uh, justice called, but I want to tell you in this text, it was mercy that answered. Amen. And this woman is set free from her guilt. She is set free from her sin. She is set free from her old lifestyle all because Jesus reached down his hand for her. Now, I want to say tonight, I'm glad that I can testify on a Sunday night that I remember the day when Jesus reached down his hand for me. I'm telling you tonight, it feels good to know that you've been redeemed by the grace of God. On a Sunday night, you may be here and you may be tired in body, but aren't you glad you're sitting in church and not on a bar stool somewhere? Aren't you glad, amen, that you're saved and washed in the blood? Isn't it good to know that when you pillow your head tonight, if you never wake up again this side of eternity, you'll wake up, my friend, in the arms of Jesus. I'm telling you, I'm glad there's a lot of things that may be unsettled, but as the songwriter said, the record's clear today for he washed my sins away and the old account is settled long ago, amen and that's what this woman found she found favor and she found forgiveness and she found grace at the feet of Jesus Christ, amen you know you may be here tonight and say preacher I've tried everything else I think I'll just try Jesus tonight but can I tell you something trying Jesus isn't going to get you anywhere but if you'll trust Jesus He's already been tried and tested, amen? But if you'll just trust him tonight, you won't ever have to worry about trying him. He'll be everything that you need and so much more. And I want to tell you tonight, he'll be what you need in your darkest hour. He'll be what you need when you feel like you don't have a friend to turn to. He'll be what you need when you feel like every resource you got has been exhausted. He'll be what you need when it seems like all of hell has turned against you. I'm telling you, thank God as David said he said I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and he said he heard my cry and he brought me up also out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay and he set my feet upon a rock and he established my goings and he had put a new song in my mouth that'll sing praise even unto our God he said many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord I'm telling you that's what David is saying in Psalm chapter 40 he's saying he reached down his hand for for me, amen. I'm glad I've been saved tonight, don't you? I'm glad tonight that Jesus Christ is a reality. He's more than just a song and a sermon, but he's real tonight, isn't he? And the question that comes to my mind is probably the question that came to all these religious people's mind, and perhaps even the minds of all of those others that were standing by watching that day, is Lord, why? 
Would you reach down your hand for this woman? I mean, here's a woman that you have to admit has been caught in a very sinful act. She's a very wicked woman. She's a very filthy woman. I'm not trying to be mean when I say this, but I think we would all agree that her sin is a very heinous sin tonight, isn't it? I mean, it's a very ugly sin tonight. If you don't think her sin is ugly, then think about it like this. You wouldn't want to be uh, charged with her sin tonight, would you? I mean, nobody, I think, in this building would want to wear the title or have the reputation of being an adulterer or to being a woman of the night or a strange woman. I mean, this woman had a very guilty past. She had a very wicked lifestyle. And I, she is before Jesus Christ, one that knows no sin, one my friend that, that has never done anything wrong. And she's standing there in a time when he should have judged her. And to everyone's surprise, she found favor. She found mercy. And I was thinking about this this morning. Lord, why did you reach down your hand for this woman? Three reasons tonight and I'll, we'll be through. I want to say number one, I think she, he reached down his hand, number one, to rescue her from her enemies. Because here's a woman that she was outnumbered. Here's a woman that she had so many accusers, so many enemies against her. The odds were stacked against her. I mean, these people knew the law and the law commanded her to die. The law condemned her to death. In fact, she's, stand, she's standing there and there's more of them than there is of her. And she is standing there before our Lord. She knows that he knows the law and he would agree that the law is right. And I do want to remind us that what they said to, about her that should be done was scriptural. It's in the Old Testament. They didn't take something out of context. They didn't twist the scriptures. The law commanded that she be stoned. Amen. And here she is, and her enemies are against her. Her accusers has brought up her past. I mean, it's early in the morning, and she's already started a sinning. I mean, that's pretty bad when you're sinning early in the morning time. But she's already started the day out in sin. I'm telling you, listen, here she is, and it looks like there's absolutely no hope. It looks like, friend, that she is condemned to die. And I can see this woman standing there, and in her mind, she's as good as dead. She's seen this happen before. She knows what the outcome is and she knows that she's about to go under. But I want to tell you something. Jesus rescued her in a time when she wasn't looking to be rescued. I'm telling you to her surprise and to everyone else's surprise, God just slipped up on the backside of everybody and Jesus reached down and instead of showing judgment, he showed mercy, amen. Is that not the way God saved every one of us? Now, maybe your testimony's different. If it is, that's fine. But I'll tell you, most of us, we didn't get up one morning and say, you know what? I think I'll just go to church and get born again this morning. Amen. Nobody rolled out of the bed and said, well, today's the day that I get saved. No, I want to tell you something. I'm not a Calvinist, but I do believe in the sovereignty of God and I believe in the providential hand of God. And when I wasn't looking for God, I'm glad he came looking for me. Amen. I'm telling you, I'm glad when the odds were stacked against me. I'm glad when I was outnumbered. I'm glad when I had more enemies than I had friends. I'm glad, thank God, he knew what was gonna happen before it ever happened. He knew what he needed to do. Jesus was there and he rescued her because of from her enemies, amen. I'm glad the Bible says 
over, I think it's in the, it's in the book of Psalms. The word of God says, we quote this first part of this phrase, a lot of times, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. But the rest of that verse is just as important as the first part of it. The Bible said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed out of the hand of his enemy. And I'm glad I've been taken out of the enemy's hand. Y'all with me tonight? I'm glad, thank God, that he rescued me. As the songwriter said, as the old songwriter said, throw out the lifeline. Brother, I'm telling you, when I was sinking in sin, when you was sinking in sin, when it looked like the enemy had us by the throat, when it looked like death was about to pull us under, I'm telling you, God uh, uh, slipped up uh, and took us out of the enemy's hand uh, and rescued us. Uh, Brother, I'm telling you, if you're saved, you know what I'm talking about. You've been rescued, amen. Uh, There's another old song that says that brother I've been rescued and thank God I'm glad that I know what it is tonight to be rescued from sin rescued from Satan and rescued from the suffering of hell and of death tonight when he reached down his hand for me he did that to rescue me from the hands of the enemies I believe he's I believe he reached down his hand for this woman to rescue her from his from her enemies But also tonight, I believe he reached down his hand to redeem her from her evils. Amen. Because the Bible says that it was early in the morning. And this woman has been caught, the word of God says in verse number four, in the very act of adultery. I mean, these Pharisees and scribes went in and they laid hold on this woman while she was in the very act of this sinful state. And they bring her before Jesus and it would have been enough if they would have said, Lord, she's an adulterer and she deserves to die. But they wanted to bring out all of her shame. They wanted to bring out all of her sin. Can I tell you something tonight? That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to let you and I sin and sin because sin brings shame. And when shame comes, the devil wants to bring every bit of it out. And can I tell you, that's what happens so many times. People sin, but they want to just go on as if it never did happen. Friend, I want to warn everybody in this building tonight that sin always brings shame. Amen. I think that would help people not to sin so much if they realize that when they sin, yes, there's forgiveness, but there's shame with that sin. You two people didn't sin, Brother Bell, because as much they sinned, but they didn't sin as openly and they didn't sin as boldly, should I say, because they had a conscience. They, they were ashamed of what people thought about them. Now they've come out of the closets and now they parade down the streets and now they put it all over the television screen. And now, I mean, they'll even come to church and they'll, they'll think they're supposed to sing and they'll think they're supposed to teach Sunday school. They'll think they're just, they'll say, well, I'm just as good as everybody else. And I believe we're all, listen, there's none that doeth, knoweth, that doeth good, the Bible says, but at the same same time, when we sin, there should be shame because of that sin. I've seen it too many times as a pastor. People sin, and then they get mad at the preacher because everything just can't go on as normal. That's not the way things work. And I wished it was the other way, but or sometimes they sin and they're like, They'll say they want they want their spouse or they want their their parents or they want their preacher. Somebody fix this. I, I've made a mess, and sometimes you just can't fix things. 
And I hate that. I, that's why I hate sin. Because you can't fix things. And this woman was filthy. I mean, I mean, she had been with man after man after man. She had this testimony. I want to say tonight, don't ever have that testimony. I mean, if you're saved tonight, be decent. Amen. Be a respectable person. If you want respect, you've got to live respectfully. Is that right? Respect is not demanded, it's earned. And we have to earn the respect of people. We have to earn the respect of others in one action that we commit. And oh, I say this with fear in my soul tonight because I know the devil is real and I don't want to fall into that kind of sin. But And I've seen great men of God that has fallen into that sin who I knew walked with God. But I want to be careful. I want to have accountability in my life. I, I welcome that because I don't trust the flesh tonight in any aspect. I don't want to be left in a position where temptation and opportunity would ever meet each other. My friend, because of the wickedness of our flesh, but I'm saying tonight that we've got to be careful because sin brings shame. This woman was filthy. And they brought her before Jesus thinking if anybody would condemn her, it would be him. But Jesus, knowing their accusers, was not just worried about them. And that's the thing I love about the Lord. He's always concerned about the sinner. Christ knows how to deal with both the sin and the sinner. And he looks at her, and in the midst of knowing the law, he knew the law, he was the law. Amen? He's the author of the law. You're, they, they bring the written word to the living word. He already knew what it said because it was him, amen? And he's able to fulfill the law, but yet he's able to save the sinner. Boy, I thank God for that, amen? I'm telling you, Jesus looked at her and he rescued her. He reached down his hand and he wrote on the ground because he loved this woman. And in the midst of doing what was right, only God can do this and be just and be holy, but yet he could save the unholy one and yet still be holy and he looked at her and his motive from the beginning was not just to rescue her temporarily from those enemies but he wanted to rescue her and redeem her from the evils that she was doing Jesus very simply put tonight he wanted to change her life forever what looked like a problem to Christ or what looked like a problem to others was an opportunity for Jesus and a lot of times we look at sinners as problems when we ought to see them as opportunities to reach out to. There was a lady yesterday as I stopped at the uh, store to go in and, and uh, just to run to the restroom before uh, going to meeting. And as I was running, running in the store there, this lady come out and I'm telling you, you could look at her and you knew she was rough immediately. She had three kids with her and she was screaming at those kids like she was going to kill them. I mean, it put fear of God in me, you know. I straightened up when she come by, you know. And she grabbed one of them this way, and one of I don't know, like she had three arms. She had all three of them by the neck before I knew it. And she's rough. And she's standing there, and she's standing there on the sidewalk, and she's just puffing on a cigarette, you know. Just I mean, just look like a freight train going, you know. And I didn't want to bother her at the moment because I knew she wasn't in a good mood, and and so I just went on in the store and I, I was in there or in the in the store there and I thought about her when I went in, I thought she needs the Lord. And I come back out and she was still standing there. And God gave me an opportunity.
to be a witness to her. And what I'm saying to you tonight is when we look at sinners, we can so easily see the evil and fail to see what they need to be rescued from. I'm telling you, that would be every one of us tonight, and it has been us. You think about tonight, had Jesus not reached down his hand, where would you be at tonight? You wouldn't be sitting here. But look where you're at tonight. I don't deserve to be here. I didn't do anything to earn the right to be here. Am I telling the truth? By all means, the odds were stacked against every one of us. And we should be out there doing no telling what, living no telling how, no telling where we would be at tonight. Where would I be? But aren't you thankful for the day that God reached his hand down? I mean, it reached way further down than you would ever be able to reach up. I'm talking about a strong and a mighty hand reached down and he pulled you out of the evil you was in. He pulled you out of the sin you was in. Thank God you're not the man you used to be. You're not the woman you used to be to be. You don't live the way you used to live. You don't go the places you used to go because Jesus reached down his hand. I'm glad I don't live an evil life. I don't live a perfect life, but thank God I don't have to live an evil life. Amen. I'm glad I don't. Listen, I could get drunk tonight and you could too, but the fact is we don't want to. Amen. Every one of us could smoke dope tonight, but we don't want to. Amen. Every one of us could take drugs and live a wicked lifestyle, but there's something on the inside and said you don't want to do that no more. You don't want to go to places you used to go. You don't want to sing them songs. You don't want to live those those lives lifestyles. Thank God he rescued you from the evil that you once lived in. Amen. He simply took the key of grace brother Danny and walked up to the shackles of sin and put it in and turned you loose. Hallelujah. I say amen. I say praise God. I say thank you Lord. Thank you for giving me something worth living for. Hey, it may be Monday tomorrow, but you get to get up Monday with amazing grace in your heart, with Jesus on your lips. You're not going to places you used to go. I'm telling you, you can go home tonight and it's Bibles and it's prayer altar time. I mean, Sundays, it's Sunday time. And to go to the house of God, he rescued you from the evil. That you want used to live. I think about a lady tonight that got saved at a church I was preaching at. And when she come to, when she come down to the altar and got saved, she had tattoos all over her body. And on both sides of her, uh, of her eyes where she got saved, she had these teardrops. And I don't even know what those mean, but they meant something. And uh, she came down, she got saved. I mean, she was rough. And uh, the pastor was dealing with her. And while I mean, she got saved, people shouted. And we rejoiced with her. And I went back to that church a year later. And this same woman came up to me and she said, Preacher, you notice anything different about me? And I, I didn't, couldn't remember. And I said, well, I'm looking. I said, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, people do you like that. I mean, how are you going to know, you know? <laughs> And I was trying to, I was trying, especially a woman. I mean, if a woman asks, you better be real careful. And so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I said, she said, look. She said, no teardrops. No teardrops. She got them taken off. 
I said, what? And she said, you remember when I got saved? I said, I'm sorry. I don't. She said, I was that lady that come down on Thursday night of the meeting. And she said, remember, she said, I, I had these tears. She said, I had tattoos all over my arms. She still did, but she had them covered up. And she said, these bothered me. She said, I, I just hate it. She said it. And somebody in the church had helped her uh, get them tattoos taken off. And boy, she was so excited that she wanted to come up and tell me there wasn't no more teardrops. Uh, thank God. Uh, I'll tell you, there's some teardrops in my eyes when she got through uh, because that's what Jesus did. Uh, he covers the scars. Uh, he wipes away the past. Uh, he erases the heartache. Uh, he fills your heart with joy. Uh, thank God he rescues you from the evils of this life. Then I'll say tonight and I'll be through. Not only did he rescue her from the enemy and redeem her from the evils, but I believe he reached down his hand tonight to recruit her for evangelism. Amen. I'm telling you, when Jesus saw this woman and all of her accusers around her, I believe Jesus said, you know what? She'll be a good one to save. She'll be a good one to recruit for evangelism. I believe he looked at her and said, well, her past and her sorrow and her trouble, she'll make a good missionary. And he saved this woman. He looked at her and he said, woman, where are thine accusers? Is there anyone here that condemns thee? And she said, no. And he said, he said, go. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now that didn't mean that she would live a perfect and sinless life. But what it meant was she wouldn't live the life she was living. Stop sinning. Stop doing the sin you used to do. And I still believe that, don't you? I believe when people get saved, they'll get out of the sinning business. I know we don't completely get out of it, but if you're a drunk and you get saved, you'll get off the booze. Somebody say amen. If God's big enough to pull you out of hell, he's big enough to get you off the bottle, amen. And if you're a, if you're a gambler, you'll quit gambling when you get saved. And if you're a dope smoker, you'll quit doping when you get saved. And if you're full of religion, guess what? You'll get salvation and you'll get unfull of religion, amen? When you get saved, he'll change your hitching post. Uh, he'll change your spirit. And I believe he looked at this woman and said, I'm gonna change you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna she'll be a good recruit for evangelism. He saved her. And she got up and she left and she was never the same. And I can see in my mind, I was thinking about this this morning, I can see it's nighttime again, Brother David. And probably no doubt somebody came by her home in the late hours of the night thinking that she was still living the same sinful lifestyle. Wouldn't you like to have been a fly on the door? When some old boy come up there and knocked on the door and she opened the door with the King James Bible. Amen. And amazing grace in the background. He sure enough thought he was drunk when he saw that. Amen. And I'm telling you, I can see in my mind some old boy knocks on the door and she opens that door and she's not dressed like she used to dress. And you won't dress the way you used to dress when you get saved. And she don't act the way. She, and he looks at her and, and she says, I'm sorry, I'm not living that life no more. But I got something I want to tell you. Or maybe he might have asked her and said, what in the world happened to you? 
And then it opened the door for her to tell him, I, I met another man. I, I met a different man. I met a God man. I met, a, I met the best man that I could ever meet. Uh, he didn't mistreat me and he didn't abuse me, but oh, he loved me like no man has ever loved me before. And he's changed me. And my life is different and my life is wonderful. You talk about a tool. You talk about a testimony of salvation. You talk about somebody that can evangelize and win sinners. Uh, I say go get the roughest of the rough. I say get the hardest core sinners you can find. Bring them to the house of God. Let's preach to them. Let's pray for them. Let's win them to God. Hey, let's show mercy. Let's show grace. Let them find favor. Let them find forgiveness. Let them get justified. Let them get set free. Let them get the shackles of sin taken off of them. Oh, what a difference when Jesus passes by. Amen. You know the best the best witnesses, I don't think that's a word, but it'll be okay, won't it? Y'all write that down. The best witnesses are some of the hardest sinners. Isn't that right? I don't care if they're a drunk or I don't care if they've been in church all their life. And young people, let me tell you something while I'm on the subject. I'm not saying you need to go out there and live neck deep in sin. Amen. Because the hey, you need to be saved as much as anybody else does. And I say, God saves some people. Uh, he saves some people out of sin, and He saves some people from sin. But don't mess your life up. The best testimony is I never did those things. But I'm telling you, and, I, and when I say hard sinners, I, I, we think about people out there with tattoos and long hair and drinking and doping. But I'm going to tell you something. Some of the hardest sinners I ever tried to witness to was religious people. Right. Amen. Yes, Amen. But when they get saved, you take a Catholic, when a Catholic gets saved, well, they're dedicated, friend. I know, I know a young man pastoring right now in Indiana that uh, he was a Catholic, and when he got saved... His whole family shunned him when he got saved. And that old boy, I'm telling you, God made a preacher out of him. You know who I'm talking about too. He got saved out of Wayne Sexton's church, pastoring up in Indiana now. And when he got saved, I'm telling you, he got on fire for God. And he witnessed to everybody he'd come in contact with. And he'd run into Catholic, he'd hunt Catholics down. And tell them, he'd walk up and they'd say, oh, I'm a Catholic. He said, I used to be a Catholic too. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Amen. I'm just saying when God gets a hold of them hard cases, he may, and everybody's a hard case to some degree, but I'm telling you, listen, you don't know what God can do with your life tonight in evangelism if you'll give yourself wholeheartedly. Yes, we're to give to missions, and yes, we're to send missionaries out, and thank God, I'm glad we're doing that. But I'm telling you, we can't forget the person across the street. We can't get the, forget the people in the trailer parks. We can't forget the people down, listen, on, living on Ghetto Street. We've got to go in the highway and the hedges. Uh, we can't forget the people in the big fancy homes uh, that thinks they don't need God and they've got everything they need. Uh, we're to go everywhere and preach the gospel to everyone we come in contact with. Amen. And preaching tonight on evangelism needs to be more than just preaching. It needs to be a lifestyle. It needs to be something we do every day of our life. I really believe this tonight. The job that you have God didn't put you there just to make money. You're there because there's a purpose to win people to Jesus Christ. 
And I think so many times people pray about job transfers and things like that, and, and it's all about the paycheck. And it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be about the will of God. Brother Jack James said his neighbor, run him down and witness to him every day and drove him crazy. Y'all know the story. And he said, I, I moved to, I think it was Ohio. He moved to to get away from his neighbor and his neighbor moved to Ohio. <laughs> Same street he lived on. He did. I mean, I mean, you go ask him. He moved to the same street he lived on. He said, that man drove me crazy and said he witnessed to me. He said, I'd see him in the yard when we was living down here. He said, I couldn't stand to look at him. Brother George said, he's going to talk to him about Jesus. He said, finally got a job opportunity, moved up there and said, one day got a knock on the door and opened the door. And he said, well, hello, neighbor. <laughs> you know Jack James, don't you? I'm, Brother Kate preached a lot for him, I'm sure. And he said, he witnessed to him, witnessed to him, witnessed to him and said, finally said, he left and moved back to Tennessee. And said, he moved back to the same house. He moved, the neighbor moved back. He said, I, he said, James, he said, I made God a promise. If I never win nobody to God, I'm going to win you. He said, if you're the only soul. Brother James, I, you know Brother James. I'm telling you the truth tonight. There's people who testify to this. He said, he told him, he said, God may have just let me be born to witness to just you. And give you the gospel. And I don't know the end of how all the things, but I heard him tell that story. And all of that, he got saved. I wonder tonight as we stand, what if God reached down his hand and saved you just to rescue one other person? I wonder who that is tonight. I can tell you who it is it's that face that comes to your mind right now. That's the person God wants you to win. That face that's on your mind right now. That individual. I don't know if it's a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister, a worker, a cousin. I don't know who that is tonight. But you may be, you probably are the only one that can get them to the foot of the cross. And that's where a burden tonight. We need a burden. I'm glad he reached down his hand. Brother David's going to sing. If you need to come tonight, would you come? Would you pray, God, help me to be a witness? Help me to win.